and faithful and true to missions. In the past couple of years, we've seen uh, many more baptisms than we had in the years before that. We've had lots of kids come and get involved. We've got teenagers coming every night, uh, every Sunday night when we have youth group. We've got kids coming to our kids' programs, and God's doing a lot of really good things. And I want to just spend this morning sharing with you the passion and the drive and the vision that God's given me for our church as we continue and go forward in His plan and His will for what we're doing. I want to make mention that we know for a fact that if it wasn't God doing it, nothing would be getting done. I, I know that as well as you know that. It's not that we are so great and we're so deserving and we're so wonderful. We have a great God who loves us and gives us what we don't deserve. And we want to continue to appreciate that and strive to go forward in what he's given us. And so this morning, it'll be a little different than usual. It's not going to be a sermon. There's not going to be uh, necessarily three points and an invitation. But there's going to be some thoughts for you to, uh, to really mull over. Uh, and then there's also going to be a call to action at the end. Things that we want to be doing as a church body to be faithful to Christ the same way that he's been faithful to us. And so I want to start off this morning just by talking about what our mission is, who we are as a church, why we exist, what we're doing. And I think that it's important to stay with Scripture when we look at that. I believe the Bible's given every single church a command and a commission. In other words, we have a mission and we have a way to do it. And it's written right within Scripture. And so I just want to spend just a couple minutes talking about what that is and how we can reach it. And then I'm going to talk specifically about how our church and what we're doing and the steps that we're taking to go forward in what God wants us to do. So let's pray together and we're going to jump right into this. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much for our church. God, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for allowing us to serve you and follow you. God, and as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we thank you for the privilege it is to be a fisher of men. God, I pray that you just help us to be faithful to reach those around us in our community, to reach those that are far from us, and to reach those that are in need, Lord. I pray that you just touch our church, Lord. Keep our focus on you. Bless our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got three quick points. I'm going to go through them fairly quickly on the front side because I want to challenge you to get involved when we get to the back side of your uh, insert. If you don't have an insert, there's plenty at the back. I'm sure one of these lovely children would love to grab them. In fact, Lily, we go grab some. She's going to go get some uh, bulletins. And if you do not have a bulletin yet, just raise your hand. She'll bring one by because I would like for you to be able to see what it is that we're talking about, things that we have uh, in here, and things that we have for you to be a part of. But the first thing I want you to realize is this, is that we must strive as a church to fulfill the Great Commission. right? So our church goal, our church drive, our church DNA starts with this. Go and make disciples. That's it. And here's the verse right here. Matthew 28, verse 19 says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them, in the, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's our challenge. Here's our, our mission as a church has got to be focused and driven by this. Go and reach others. And you say, well, what does it mean to go and make disciples? Well, when you look at the disciples of Christ, how did he call the disciples? He said, follow me. Right? Every time he went and a new disciple followed him, he said, follow me. It was as simple as that. And so our call as a church is that we are called to follow Christ and in following Christ, call others to follow us. You say, well, how does that work? It's very simple. 
Our goal is to recreate ourselves. If we're a follower of Christ, we want more people to be followers of Christ the same way that we are. Not that they're going to be the same person or have the same personality or have the same experiences, but that we're going to be calling them to understand that Christ is what they need in their life. And so as we go forward as a church, we have got to be just laser focused on the fact that our main purpose, our main goal is not having nice buildings. It's not having a manicured lawn. It's not um, having the greatest programs. It's not doing the most stuff. It's not having a great social club to come together. Our calling and our purpose as a church is to go and invite people to follow Christ. Now, does having nice buildings help with that? Absolutely. Does having a manicured lawn help with that? Absolutely. Should we have good programs that we can invite people to be a part of? Absolutely. All those things are very good, but we've got to keep the focus in mind that what we're doing is not to please each other. What we're doing is not to be comfortable. What we are doing is to call others to follow Christ. And if we can do what we're doing to bring people to Christ, we've got to continue doing it and do it with all of our passion. So you say, okay, so there's our mission, is that we are going to make disciples. We want others to follow Christ. We want others to join with us as we follow Christ. Well, how do we do that? It's very simple. The Bible tells us that too. So we must strive to fulfill the Great Commission by living the Great Commandment. Say, well, what is that? The Great Commandment's this. If you look in Mark chapter 12, it'll be up here on the screen in just a moment. <coughs> Mark chapter 12 says this in verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God, listen to this, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now listen, and with all your strength. The second is this, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe some of you didn't realize, but the golden rule is in the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But a better uh, phrase for it, they call this the royal law or the great commandment. It's the same thing. All three of those things mean the same thing. It's just this. I love Christ and follow him first. And the way that I love him, I'm going to love my neighbors too. Because that's how I show my love for God is by loving those around me. And so we're called to follow in love. And there's a few ways that he says, love the Lord with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so what we're going to talk about the rest of our time looks at those four things. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So here's the problem that so many churches have today, is that we spend all of our time focused on getting you to love Christ in your mind. Come and we'll teach you. Come and we'll have a Bible study. Come and we'll spend time talking about God. Come and we'll just try to make you intellectually prepared to be the Christian that you're called to be. But the problem is, that's just one-fourth of the equation. We're called to follow Him and love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And if the only thing that we're serving Him with is our mind, there's a reason why we feel unfulfilled as a believer. And so our church, we want to reach people through the Great Commission by doing the Great Commandment, and we're going to empower you to do the great commandment in these ways. So here's what we're going to do. Accomplishing the great commandment by focusing on four things. On three, and two of them are grouped together. But the first thing that we want to focus on as a group is the head. So we're called to follow the Lord your God with all your mind. And so this is where most churches stop, is with my mind. I'm going to know Him. I'm going to learn about Him. I'm going to get everything I can in my brain. You know what the Bible says about that? Knowledge puffeth up. Or in other words, if all you do is know and know and know, the Bible likens it to this, it's being like the Dead Sea. If you've ever been to the Dead Sea or seen the Dead Sea or even heard about the Dead Sea, 
What everybody knows about the Dead Sea is that there's tons of water coming in. There's plenty of ways for the water to come in, but there's no outlet. It only takes and takes and takes. And because of that, the water's stagnant. Because of that, the water is not good for drinking. It's not very useful unless, of course, you're going to make some kind of lotion that they're going to sell at the mall. I've, I've seen that that works pretty well, apparently. But it's not good for regular purposes because there's no outlet for that water to go out. You, as a believer, are intended to be different than that. We're supposed to be receiving and letting that pass through us to the next person. We're intended to receive the blessings of God so that others can see the blessings of God in our life and we can pass them on to them so that they can follow Christ. Now, here's the reason we don't do that sometimes. We get the idea that God has a perishable source. Or in other words, he has, it's not an infinite supply. It's going to run out. And we forget that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills that the cattle are on and he owns everything that we need and he's in control of every situation in our life. And if we let his blessings pass through us, maybe that's through giving to Kathleen King. Maybe that's through uh, tithes and offerings. Maybe that's through giving of your time. Maybe that's through giving of your abilities. If we let those things pass through us, he's going to be, he's going to be faithful to continue to pass those blessings through us. And so here we understand it's not just the head, but the head is important. So the first thing we want you to do in our church is we want you to be taught. We think it's important that you be taught God's word and understand God's word in the right context. Joshua 1.8 says it this way, This book of the law, or in other words, the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth. Or in other words, it's not going to leave who you are, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So he gives us a word picture there, and he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. What he's saying is it shouldn't be in one ear and out the other. When you hear God's word, it shouldn't just pass through you and you go on with your day. In fact, he says this word meditate, and, and my, love, my wife loves it so much when I use this example. The word meditate we get from the same word as ruminate. If you've ever heard the word ruminate, it comes from the idea of a cow who has three stomachs. Now, I, I will try not to be too visual or gross, but here's the idea. If you know how a cow's digestive, digestive system works, he'll chew and swallow and bring back that cud, chew it again, swallow it again, and bring it back later and chew it again and swallow it again. You say, thank you for that visual. That's exactly what we wanted on Sunday morning. But there's no better way to describe to you what God wants us to be doing with his word. We hear it, but it shouldn't stop there. Later today, when things are going on in your life, good things or bad things, or something brings to your memory the scripture that you've heard today, you should chew on it again for a while and digest that again. And then later he's going to bring it to your memory again. That's what it means to meditate on the Word of God. So here's, a, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of a spoiler. Some of our Sunday school material is going to be changing. And part of the reason we're doing that is the new book that you'll get, either you got it today or you'll get it next Sunday morning in Sunday school, has a daily devotion. So why is that so important? You're going to learn a lesson on Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's a quick 5-10 minute devotion that's going to cause you to meditate on that Word again. Because we don't want to just be Sunday Christians. The world has seen plenty of Sunday Christians and it's driving them away from Christ. If we're going to bring people to Christ and we're going to fulfill the mission that we've got to bring others to becoming disciples of Christ, we've got to be everyday Christians. And part of that is meditating on His Word. So that's how we're going to minister to the heart. We want you to be taught, I mean to the head, we want you to be taught. And I put the heart second here on purpose because this gets left sometimes. The heart, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
I want you to understand that we want you to be changed. So the head talks about what I know. The heart talks about what I believe. Do you understand the difference there? What I know and what I believe are closely related, but they're very different. What I know informs me, but what I believe guides me. Does that make sense? I can tell you I know that this chair is solid. I know this chair is strong. I know this chair is in good shape. But if I refuse to sit in that chair, how much do you believe what I know versus how I act? And so we, as, we, as we meditate on God's word, it should change what we do on a day-to-day basis. It should change our attitude. It should change our, our driving habits. It should change our behavior. It should change the way we see negative and positive things happening in our lives. It should drive us to fully lean on Christ because we're changed, not just in our head, but also in our heart. We want you to be changed. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Watch over your heart with all diligence. Listen to this. For from it flows the springs of life. Here's what it means. If your heart is not right, if your heart is not focused on Christ, if you don't believe in your heart the thing that God has called you to believe, or what God's doing in your life, or that God is the most important thing that we have in our lives, if you don't truly believe that, everything that springs out of your life is going to be evidence of that. So what does that mean? If you love Christ and have been changed the way that you should be as a believer, people around you will not be able to ignore the difference in your life. Some of you have experienced this. You have a conversation with somebody, and before the end of the first conversation, they're asking you, what's different about you? Or you get to know somebody, or you're new in 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 a place of business, and you're working at a new job, And before a week is over, people are realizing you're a Christian, aren't you? That's not because you're trying to be some goody two-shoes. That's not because you're Johnny Bible Thumper. It's because if your heart is changed, what springs out of you will be different. That's the way it's supposed to be. Your heart should be changed. I'm going to talk just in a few minutes about some ways that we're going to try to minister to your heart and not just to your head. But finally, and this is the one that gets me excited, and I'll tell you why this gets me excited, but we're talking about the hands. So the head, we want you to be taught. The heart, we want you to be changed. And the hands, we want you to be empowered and mobilized. You say, well, why is that the exciting part to you? Because I have found in every, with, without exception, when a person's head has changed and their heart has changed, their hands will be changed. You say, what do you mean by that? If you truly love God and you truly serve God, you will truly do things for God. You'll be involved in reaching out. You'll be involved in serving within our church. You'll be involved in all of the ways that God allows you to serve Him. Because when your head is changed, you know that God deserves it. When your heart is changed, you're inclined to do what He calls you to do. And when your hands have been changed, you go and do what He's calling you to do. And so our church, we want to be a church that not just focuses on the head and doesn't just focus on the heart, but we want to give you opportunities to use your hands and be, be what God has called you to be. So the hands here, the Bible says this, James 2, verse 19 and 20. I actually just talked about this this morning with a couple of folks. The Bible says this, you believe that God is one, you do well. Catch this, the demons also believe and shudder. So here's what he says, if your head is changed, good job. You're on the same stage as the demons. Not exactly what we're going for. You know, nobody really wants to, you know, next to their name, Pastor John. He was just like the demons. Like, that's, that's not what we're going for. But that's what Jesus says here. He goes on further. James says it this way. But are you willing to recognize 
you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. You say, oh, so now you're preaching that works is the way to salvation. Wrong. That's not what I'm preaching. That's not what I'm teaching you. In fact, you can be saved by the gospel. You can be saved by Jesus Christ and never do a good thing in your life and he'll still save you. But I'll say this. If you allow God to change your head and change your heart, you won't be happy unless you're serving him with your hands. It's the truth of the matter. If he's changed your head and changed your heart, you're going to need to serve him. It's almost going to be compulsive. You're going to be saying, I don't have time to do this. I don't have the energy to do this. But God, I want to do this. That's because we love him and he's changed who we are. So here he says, you are the same as the demons if all you do is no. If all you do is no, you're the same as the demons. But he goes on further and says that your works by your hands are what's going to draw others to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So here's where it all comes together. If the, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is being taught to you and it's changing your way of thinking and it's changing your heart and how you feel, you're going to do things with your hands that will draw other people to Christ. You say, wow, this seems like just a great idea. Well, you know, God is pretty wise and he knows what he's doing. So his commission to us to make disciples and his commandment to us to love others go right hand in hand. And that's what we want to do. We want to love God with our heads, with our hearts, and with our hands. And when we truly love God with all three of those things, that's when we are going to draw people to Him. That's when we are going to make disciples of people in our community. This passage is really interesting. I encourage you, I'm not going to take long, um, but I encourage you to go to James 2 later today and just read the whole, whole passage. Read all of James 2. Because what James says there is if you don't serve God, it's like when somebody says to you, I'm cold, and you say, well, I'll pray for you that you get warm, but you don't give them a blanket, you don't offer them shelter, you don't offer them shoes. That's useless. That person didn't get any closer to Christ. They thought you were a hypocrite. But instead, if somebody says to you, I'm cold, and you offer help for what their needs are today, and show them that Christ is the answer for everything that they're facing, that's when faith really has an impact on those around us. Listen, our world is not a world that wants to come to church, right? We live in a world where church is not a popular thing. We live in a world where people are not necessarily looking to change their behavior or change for Christ. And the only way that we're going to compel them to be changed is with the love of Christ through our hands because our heart has changed, because our head has changed. So here, as, that's our vision. That's who we are as a church. And that's what we're going to be as a church but now I want to look at some nuts and bolts things about how that happens. And so if you want to flip your page over, I'm going to talk about these three areas. The head, the heart, and the hands. And talk about how we are going to encourage you to worship and love God with all three of those areas. So the first is the head. We talked about it just a minute ago. But we are starting some amazing things within our church that are going to be intended to minister to your head. The first is this. We're already doing it. It's Sunday school at 9 a.m. And maybe you've never come to Sunday school and you say, well, that's really early. That's a hard time for me to be there. You know, my kids won't get out of bed. Or, you know, I really just like sleeping in. That's a tough time for me to get up and, and be a part of what you're doing. And, and I understand that. But I want to encourage you because our Sunday school is not just a time to come and sit and listen to a sermon. In fact, all of our Sunday school classes are oriented in a way that you have an opportunity to discuss what God's teaching you in your life. You have an opportunity not only to be taught, but also to minister to those around you through what God is doing in your life. And so Sunday School, we're starting a new curriculum. I mentioned it just a while ago called the Gospel Project. 
Now, I'm very excited about this for two reasons. One, I already told you, is that there's a daily devotion for every single week that you're going to do in the Gospel Project. So for the next three years, you're going to have a daily devotion that ties directly into what your Sunday school teacher is going to teach you on Sunday morning. I think that's incredibly valuable. But secondly, here's what I'm really excited about, is the Gospel Project is oriented in a way that it goes from Genesis to Revelation with Jesus Christ in view. So the focus is on Christ, and it tells you from Genesis to Revelation how this passage relates to Jesus Christ. You say, well, why is that so exciting? Because the main character of the Bible, the main purpose for the Bible, the reason we have the Bible is Jesus Christ. And so as we understand Him from every angle, it can only deepen our relationship with Him. So that's the first thing we've got is we've got the Gospel Project. You say, well, what about the kids? Here's the exciting thing. From teenagers all the way up through adults, it's very similar, almost the same curriculum. But even all the way down to our nursery classes, even all the way down to Miss Nancy's class now, we're going to have the Gospel Project taught in every single class. So as a parent, as an adult, as a grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, you can come in knowing that what you learned in Sunday school is the same thing that your child learned. And you can have conversations throughout the week. And as you do your daily devotions, I encourage you, include your children in those. Say, let's sit down and talk about this. Let's see what the Bible says about what we learned in Sunday school. Here, as a pastor, I've always wondered, whether I was a youth pastor, a children's pastor, associate pastor, or senior pastor, I've always wondered why we spend so little time talking about daily devotions. I'm going to tell you something from my heart. If I am not doing my daily devotions, I am not a good pastor. And I'll take it further from there. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good employee. I'm not a good um, customer. I'm not a good driver. Every area of my life weakens when I don't have a close relationship with Christ. And the only way that that relationship stays close is a conversation every day. I've got to be in contact with Christ every day. Think about it this way. Your husband or your wife or your children, how close could your relationship be if you never ever spoke? I don't go a day without talking to my wife, so why would I go a day without talking to my Lord? And that's what we're excited about. That's what we're doing in Bible study. Wednesday night, we're also starting another Bible study. So, so if, you, if you have the excuse, you say, well, I really can't get up. I don't want to be there at 9 o'clock on Sunday. All right, I'll give you a back door. Wednesday night, 6.30. You should be awake. No one should be sleeping by then. Wednesday night, 6.30. We're going to start doing our format for Wednesday night a little bit differently. And so this first time when we start in September is our first Wednesday night study is only going to be a six-week study. So when six weeks is over, we'll take a couple weeks and we'll start another study. And so you say, well, I can commit to six weeks. That's what I want you to do. Commit to those six weeks. A month and a half, I'm going to be here. I'm going to learn with my church. I'm going to allow myself to grow in Christ and grow together with the body. That's what we want you to do. You say, well, I don't, I, I've got kids and I can't really, what am I going to do with my kids? Great, great question. We have Bible Explorers Club. This year is going to be known as, we, now there's a lot of debate on the name, I'm sorry. It's Tiny Bible Town, or Bible Town, or Tiny Town, name to be announced. But here's the idea, is that Miss Wendy is going to do an amazing job of letting our kids create their own little town. So there's going to be a mayor, there's going to be a fire marshal, there's going to be apparently a professional basketball player that's a... Uh, an interesting one. Every town needs that. But I'm um, sorry, Lily. But there's going to be all of these different roles that are going to be filled. And all of those roles are going to teach them responsibility. And on top of that, teach them scripture through a little club that they're a part of. So we're offering on Wednesday night for you as a family to all come together. Teenagers all the way up through adults are invited to be a part of our Bible study. That's a, uh, if you've ever heard of David Platt, 
He's who wrote our Bible study. It's called Follow Me. And if you've got kids, they're invited and encouraged to be a part of our Bible Explorers Club that'll meet exactly that same time. And we've been trying to be very careful to be conscious of your time. We don't want to take time and not use it well. And so Wednesday night, 6.30 it starts, and we will be done at 7.30. You can get your kids home and in bed and ready for school the next day. Listen, I got four of them. I know how it goes when they get home at 9 o'clock. The next morning is terrible. I get that. So we're trying to be sensitive and careful of that. So there's an opportunity for you to be ministered to in your head. And the final thing is this. Thursday nights, we've already been doing this, and we're going to continue this in the fall, is that Mike and Claire Risley host a home Bible study in their home. So you've got three options, and we'll announce the time and the dates of that. But you've got three options that we're trying to supply to you to give special attention to ministering to your head so that you can love the Lord your God with your head. Second thing is this. We talk about the heart. When we talk about the heart, we've got a lot of things that we're starting and that are coming up in our next, um, next quarter of our church life. And the first thing is this, is that we want you to be a part of fellowship. That's something that I think is weak in churches across the country. I've been serving in churches for over 10 years, and every single church that I've served in, the, one of the major problems is that people don't really fellowship. Now, some of you saw fellowship and you said, Woo, more dinners, we're having more dinners. That's not what fellowship means, although we use those to encourage fellowship. What fellowship really means is I want you to be doing life with the people in our church. Say, well, what does that mean? Why do you say do life? That's kind of like a cliche phrase. Everybody says that. Because there's no better way to say it. Whether you have ups or downs or difficulties or high times or low times, no matter what you're facing, we want you to be comfortable in our church and that the people around you... Listen, I know that Sunday, it's easy to just come and put the mask on. I feel good. I, I sound good. I'm happy. Everything's perfect in my life. I have no problems whatsoever. But the problem is... Putting that mask on doesn't change what's really going on. And so we want to be a church that can be honest and can be transparent and can be open with each other and say, I am struggling. I am having difficulty. I am having doubts. I am having frustrations. Life has been difficult. But when we can do it together as a body, let me tell you something. Number one, when we take that secrecy away, it takes away Satan's power. He can't keep you hidden in a corner saying, well, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. And secondly, when we start to come together as a group, what used to be a discouragement can now be an encouragement. When we realize that even in my darkest times, I have people that love me, I have people that care about me, and people that want to be a part of what I'm doing. We want every person in our church to be connected with a group of people that loves them and cares about them intimately. Now you say, well, that scares me. I understand it is scary. And I'm not asking you to write your deepest, darkest secrets on a piece of paper so I can announce them to church on Sunday morning. That's not what we're doing. But the only way we can accomplish this is for you to dig into a group and to get to know individuals in our church. So often we see churches being this place just off the road, a big building that we all meet together and spend time together. That's not the church. This building's not the church. This location's not the church. That building's not the church. We are the church. And we've got to be a part of the church and love the church. And that means that sometimes maybe send a text out, even though it might be Monday. You say, well, man, I don't think about church till Sunday. Think about it Monday. Think about the people in your class. And we're going to institute some tools and some ways that we can be a bigger part of that. So fellowship. We want you to do life with a Bible study group. Worship. Our worship service. I want you to understand that we don't want this to be a lecture hour. Right? It's not my goal that you come here and sit and listen to me just jabber on. I want you to be a part of our church 
because we are coming together to worship God. That we're coming together not just to worship Him in song, not just to worship Him in word, but that we're coming together to strategize how we can reach the, the community around us. We're coming together so we can grow in him and love Him more. I say, well, what do you mean? That word worship has got a very simple definition. It's built right into the word. The word worship comes from the root word worth. And so here's worship. What is God worth to you? Is He worth getting up for Sunday school? Is He worth coming on Wednesday night? Is He worth it to you to be a part of what we're doing? We're not doing all this stuff just to fill your life. Listen, I am busy and you are busy and I do not have any intention to just take your time and throw it away. The reason we're doing the things we're doing is because it's important for the cause of Christ. And it's important for you and the way that you're going to grow in God's kingdom is through what He's doing in our church. And we invite you to be a part of it. So worship, that's Sunday mornings, but worship is what we do here on Sunday morning is just an overflow of the worship that should be taking, part in your, taking place in your heart all week. It should just be the overspill of everything God's doing in you and how we come together and celebrate what God's already done for us. Last thing is this prayer. I mentioned it earlier. I think that our church has survived over 100 years not because of great leadership or not because of, of, of stubbornness or good location or, or great preaching or any of these things. Our church has survived 100 years because they've stayed devoted to prayer. And that, the last thing I want to do is change that. And in fact, the reason that we're changing some of the way we're doing prayer is because I'm not satisfied with having five or six people in our church regularly praying together on a weekly basis. I don't think that's enough. Say, well, I can't come on Wednesday night. I understand that. I understand that it's difficult to get here after, after work. It's difficult to make time and be here. A lot of you have got a long way to drive. And so we've reshaped the way we're doing our prayer ministry at our church to allow a greater number of you to be involved. Now we're doing a prayer breakfast every month. For, for men and for women, it'll be two weeks in a row. They won't be on the same week. But men and women will be a prayer breakfast every month at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. But we're not stopping there because you say, well, I can't come out on a Saturday morning. It's really difficult for me to get there. We're going to make it even easier. Within your Sunday school class, there's going to be a, a, a regular prayer sheet that gets passed around. Some of you already do this, but we're going to instill it. And what we're going to do with that prayer sheet is we're also going to give you the option to add that to the church prayer list. And that prayer list is going to become a digital mail out that goes out by email every week. And so what we're trying to do is not just fill your inbox with a bunch of stuff. We believe that our church should be praying for each other. And we've got to know what those needs are. And, and we want to do a better job of being all in in prayer. And so those are the ways that we're going to do our prayer meeting. That's the way we're going to do our prayer. Um, uh, and there's the dates up there in, in case you missed them earlier. is the September 8th and September 15th this coming month at 7 a.m. We'll provide the food this first month and we can decide how we want to do it after that. But we're, you're going to come together, eat some breakfast, and pray. That's it. Come together, eat some breakfast, and pray. And we're going to split you into little groups. And so it's not going to be just a big giant room of everybody praying out loud. I want to make this as comfortable and easy for you to be a part of what we're doing as possible. So there's going to be a table group that you and your table just sit together in a circle, spend five or ten minutes praying for the needs of our church, and spend some time fellowshipping. That's all we're doing at our prayer meeting. So now we've talked about the head, we've ta talked about the heart, and finally I want to talk about what we're doing to minister to your hands. Here are some things that we've got coming up. I know this, this slide's pretty full, this section's pretty full, because this is where we've not done the greatest. 
This is where we can do better. We've always been ministering to your heart uh, and your hands. I mean, your head and your heart. We want to continue doing that. But now we want you to get engaged with your hands. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. And before I jump into this, I want to say there's no pressure on any of you. I want you to realize that as a pastor, my job is not to, to put a thumb on you and say, do this thing that I'm saying to do. I'll never do that. But I will say this. If God's changed your head and changed your heart, he desires to use your hands. And so as I go through this, be praying about what ways God can be using your hands, can be using your abilities and your talents. So we've got a few things. We can have you serve. The first thing you can do with your hands is serve. Now, this is a long list. I want you to realize. And this is not made up. I sat down and thought about places that I have recently had conversations with people and found that we definitely need help in these areas. So currently, we have needs in Sunday school, youth ministry, deacons, sound booths, videography, music, nursery, Bible studies, graphic design, and on various committees. And then just to make it very clear, if you have a skill or ability that you want to use for Christ, we can figure out a way to use it. If you're willing and able, we'll find the spot. I promise we will. We'll do everything we can because the last thing I want this church to be is a one-man show. I don't want you to see Pastor John lead the singing and come up here and preach and then he does the Bible study and then he goes and does this other children's ministry and then he goes and does the teen ministry and he does all this other stuff. For one reason, I would die. Uh, that would be too much. But secondly, I believe that my job more than anything is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to do all the ministry. I want to equip you to be involved in what God does. And let me tell you something. This is a spoiler alert. My heart would be that you fall in love with serving God so much that we lose you because you go out on a mission field. Or you go out and you start serving in a church. Or you go out and you're involved in some ministry so much that we see you seldomly because you've fallen in love with doing what God's called you to do. And you can't just stay here. That's my heart. That's what I want for you. You say, you want us to leave. Well, not, not specifically, but I want you to serve. And I want God to use you. And so the hands, we can serve. Going forward, you can go fish. You say, well, what are you talking about? Last two weeks, we've been talking about followers fish. If you're a follower of Christ, you've got to be a fisher of men. So I'm not telling you to go. We've got tracks there, and we want you to use them. But I'm not telling you to just go and knock every door you can in a week. That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. I'm not telling you to go and bombard people with the gospel. What I'm calling you to do is reach out to the people around you. So the first thing here is this. Share the good news to those you come in contact with. Let me tell you something. If you're careful and paying attention... God is faithful to give you opportunities. Twice this week, I had repairmen in my house. The first one, I, uh, this is, I'm convicted about this. I have to tell you, I should have done better. The first one, I was avoiding him. I was trying to get out of the house and get to the office. I had things to do, and he was following me around the house. I went around the side of the house. He followed me around the side of the house. I went in the house and tried to go back through the front of the house. He followed me around, and I thought he was just needed to ask me something. But he finally caught up to me, and he said, I noticed you're a Christian. I said, where did you notice I was a Christian when I was running away from you through the bushes in my backyard? And he said, no, I saw the signs in your house and I just wanted to talk to you. And it, anyway, God opened this door and the man was a believer, but he'd been discouraged over the past 20 years. And he said, I just felt impressed that I needed to talk to somebody this morning. And I walked in your house first thing and realized that you were a Christian. And now I know you're a pastor. And he said, I'm going to witness to your neighbors and I'm going to witness to this other person. I said, God, thank you for being faithful to not let me get away from that guy that really needed to talk to me this morning. And that's an example of me not paying attention to what God wanted me to do. 
But twice this week, another time, I was a little more conscious because I'd already ran from the last guy. The next guy came in and asked the same thing. You're a believer. You're a Christian. Where, where do you go to church? And found out this man was a Muslim. He was fixing my air conditioner. And so he was burning hot outside. It was the day. It was like 100 degrees. And so I was trying to give him water and whatever I could. <clears throat> but all I did was try to love on him a while. And he knew I was a Christian. He asked me about my church and what was going on. I wasn't able to lead him to Christ that day. I didn't feel like I should be um, you know, trying to, to witness to him as he's trying to fix my AC in 100 degrees. But God opened the door for me to love people around me. You say, why are you sharing that? Because he's doing the same thing for you. And if you're not taking those opportunities, it's not because they're not there. It's because you haven't noticed them. And I want to encourage you as you walk through life, keep in mind that we are called. We are commissioned. Our number one mission in life is to make disciples. As believers, that's what we've been called to do. And no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, whether you're busy or frustrated or, or, or angry or hot or sweaty, whatever it is, be careful to be conscious what God is allowing you to do. So that's the first thing. Go fish. That's a huge thing. Second way you can go fish is that we are building into your Sunday schools a strategy to reach those that we already know and that we already love. You say, well, what do you mean by that? In each of your Sunday school classes, part of your prayer list is going to be... Uh, a target list, and that's, a, that's not the greatest word. Uh, it's a target list or a prospect list, but the whole idea behind it is that you are going to share, every person next week in Sunday school is going to share at least one person that you know of that either doesn't go to church or isn't a believer that you want to start thinking creatively about how to get them to Christ. And you say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to think creatively about how to get them to Christ? Well, within your Sunday school classes, you're going to create events with the sole purpose of getting, let's say, for example, Jan said, my neighbor loves to knit. Well, let's have a knitting Saturday. We're going to do it, and we're going to come up to the church, and we're going to knit and have cake and cookies. And the whole goal is to get Jan's neighbor to come and knit with the church. You say, well, why would we do that? Because we want to go where unbelievers are and draw them to Christ. Let me tell you something. I coach at the YMCA not because I have such a physical physique now that people are like, that's who we need to follow. He's got it right. He figured out the, the, the secret to fitness as Coach John over here. No, that's not the reason. It's not because I, um, I've got so much spare time on my hands that I just want to go there and hang out all the time. I coach at the YMCA because it's given me over and over opportunities to bring people to Christ. That's why we serve. That's why. Simple as that. So in your Sunday school class, we're going to strategize how to reach your friends and the people that you're in contact with. This is one I'm really excited about. I know Cash is too, um, and, and, and I want you to be too, is that we are going to renew our vigor for missions. Now, some of you may not know, but we give roughly 20% of our church income every year to international missions. That happens naturally. Without anything, uh, without it, uh, you, don't, you don't have to write down, this is for missions. We, take out, we believe that if God called you to tithe, he's also called our church to tithe. And we've got to go out by faith and give from what he's given to us to reach into other countries. But we have not, in recent years, as long as I've been here, I'll say it that way, we have not been with our hands doing missions. Or in other words, we don't have as much contact with missionaries and with mission fields as I want us to. And so we've begun the process of bringing us back into active partnership with missionaries. One way we're going to do that <coughs> is over the next couple months, every Sunday school class is going to adopt a mission work or mission family. 
And what you say, what, you say, what does it mean to adopt them? All you're going to do is send them little notes every once in a while. Maybe you're out at the store and you say, you know what, they would probably like this. I'm going to send, you know, missionaries go crazy over little things like hot sauce. Like we can't get the right kind of hot sauce in Ireland. I, I can't imagine why not. Or we can't get the right kind of, uh, I'm trying to think. There was a lady that was so excited, one of my missionary friends. She was so excited that someone had mailed her a package of moho seasoning. So uh, the, the little like Goya moho seasoning. She lives in Taiwan and she couldn't get it. And so little things like that where, and I actually talked to an international mission board missionary this, this last Thursday. And I said, would us taking on families like that and just sending them little emails or little notes or, or sending just little small gifts as we think about them, would that be an encouragement? And, and the man broke out in tears. And he said, you know, I was on the field for 10 years and only ever got three or four notes from people back home. He said, you feel like you're on an island there and nobody cares what you're doing. And you know you're serving God, but at the same time, it's sometimes it's nice to know that people are praying for you and care about you. And so we're going to do that as Sunday school classes, all the way from nursery, all the way up to our senior classes, are going to be uh, adopting a missions cause. They're going to be email, uh, emailing back and forth, sending letters back and forth, and that's going to be one of the drives of our Sunday school program. But not only that, we've got two big events that we've got coming up. The first one is this year. December 1st and 2nd is going to be Mission Emphasis Weekend. And so we are going to have a missionary here, and we're going to, on Saturday night, December 1st, we're going to have an international banquet. You say, well, what is that? It means you go try to figure out how to make something that seems exotic, whether that's, um, you know, you, you look up a recipe for fried rice, or maybe, maybe you're going to make curry, or, or whatever it is that you think about, this is a country I want to make their food. You tell us what country it's from, you bring it, we're all going to share all the things that we make, and then we're going to have a missionary that comes and gives a little testimony that night. So that's going to be Saturday night. We're going to have fellowship, have a good time together, eat a meal together, but really getting our focus on mission. And then Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, we'll have the same missionary. I don't have the specific missionary yet. It's most likely going to be a retired missionary is what I heard this, this week. Um, I emailed, emailed the, the director out. And so we're going to have a retired missionary that's going to come and share their heart for missions and try to encourage us to be a part of what God's doing around the world. Here's what I, and I'm going to be very um, transparent about this. My desire is that we would fall in love with a mission project and a mission, uh, a mission family and that we would get involved so much that we're taking three or four trips a year and going over and running their VBS helping them witness to their community, helping them uh, build a, a shed or whatever it is that we can do to be a partner with a missionary. And that's what the International Mission Board is encouraging us to do is not only to just send money and not only to just send cards, but to send people, send hands and feet that can be a part. And so here's where that comes in. Our first international missions uh, trip is going to be next June. That's the earliest we can get on there. And the reason I planned it for June is kids will be out of school. Families should be uh, in their summer schedule and be able to carve out some time if God lays it on your heart to come. I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. And we're going on what's called a connect trip. The entire idea is that we go and connect with a missionary on the field, help them that week, but also grow a burden to continue to help them. And so we will be going to Panama in June on a missions trip. And I, want, I have the goal that we're going to send a contingency from every single Sunday school class, teens and up. 
And so be praying if God would have you do that, if God would have you give towards that, if God would have you be a part of that trip. You say, well, why are we doing this? Because mission is important. Making disciples is important. And we shouldn't just be doing it with our pocketbook. We should be doing it out of our pews, too. We've got to be a part of that. And the last thing is this, you. Say, what do you mean, you? This is how you can deal with your hands. I want you to understand, you've been uniquely gifted and equipped for a specific and important purpose in the body of Christ. Use the tools that he's given you to fulfill his purpose. We talked about this a couple months ago, but I want to rehash this again. You have been brought to this church for a very specific role that nobody else could fill. God providentially brought you here to be a part of what he's doing at First Baptist Church Osprey, and I want you to be a part. Cash said something last Wednesday. I told him I was going to steal it, and so I'm stealing it now. He said it was his birthday Wednesday, so go and tell him happy birthday. Give him a hug. Uh, and also we found out he's cancer-free, so give him a hug. And, and a, 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 well, let's clap. That's, that, that deserves clapping. <laughs> but as he was thinking about his birthday, he, he made this statement. He said, I'm still moving forward. I just got to find a lower gear. And I thought, you know what? That's, a, that's such a good way to look at it. And some people might say, well, man, a lower gear means I got to go slower. I can't do everything I used to do. But let me tell you something. A semi-truck would never get going without first gear, right? You'd never get your car rolling without first gear. There's things that that lower gear can do that none of the rest of us can do. There's things that being in that lower gear accomplish that would never be moved if we tried to rush through it and run through it and do quick, quick, quick as we normally would do. And so I want to challenge you, whether you're in first gear or you're in sixth gear, there's a spot in our church for you to serve. There's a thing in our church you can do. And I want you to be praying and asking God, what would you have me to do at First Baptist Osprey? How would you have me to serve? Because I'm going to tell you something. We cannot be the kind of church that just sees this as a consumer place. Let me tell you something. When you walk through that door, it's different than walking into Walmart. You're not coming here to get a product or get a service and leave. You are a part of a living organism, and that's our church. If you see something on the ground, pick it up. Because it's a part of who you are to keep the grounds clean. If you see dishes in the, dishes in the dish drainer, don't just leave them or write a note for somebody else to do them. Be a part of who we are and take the initiative to do your part. There's things that we can do that nobody else can do. There's moments that no one else will be a part of that you are a part of. And that goes for our whole church. Every single one of us have got to take the initiative to be proud of what God's given us here and be invested in what he has called us to do. And when we do that, the load gets lighter for all of us. Listen, we love our church. I love our church. I know you love our church. And we love the Lord who's given us this church. And if we're going to show that love, the best way we can do it is that our heads are changed, our hearts are changed, and our hands are active because of it. I'm challenging you today Get involved in what we're doing. Now, that's a good segue into this next point. We have had a wonderful thing happen. So there's, there's two things that get me really excited at church. Number one is a baptism. And the second one is what we're doing today. And it's welcoming new members. So I'm going to ask Jim and Kay Squire to come on up here. We, they came at the end of, Sunday, uh, end of our service last Sunday. And I didn't want to keep you an extra long time. We had to mail off for their letter, make sure you know they don't have a criminal record. Or anything. No, I'm just kidding. Not, we didn't have to do that. But we did. Um, we, we, they do. He said, okay, well, that's okay. We'll accept you anyway. <laughs> All right. But they have come to join our church. And so the way our church does it, I'm going to ask for a motion that we accept them for church membership. I have a motion, Wayne. Can I have a second? All in favor? 
All right? And you are now members of our church. And so in closing today, oh, let's give you a hand. In closing today, what I want you to do is I want everybody, actually, you know what? I told you, this is a secret. I told you I was going to do this. They're going to go to the back door. And so those of you stragglers that weren't going to come to the front, you're going to have to shake their hands because they're going to the back door where you got to go out. So they're going to go to the back door if you guys want to go ahead. And they're going to wait for you to come and welcome them to our church and shake their hands. And so as they are walking back that way, I will pray and we'll be dismissed. I just want to tell you folks, I, I, I don't say enough, but I love you. When I say I love our church, it doesn't mean us as a whole. It means each individual one of you. I'm praying for you. I'm invested in you being what God's called you to be. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for our church and what you've called us to do. Help us to be faithful, Lord, to draw others to yourself. Thank you so much for Jim and Kay as they become a part of our family here at First Baptist Church. Bless us this week as we go out to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.